you know, I've been interviewing a lot of people. This this guy that I I met him for the first time, and I don't even know how many years ago it was. Twenty twelve, gotta be. Just during the Casey Anthony trial, I met Steve Barrett. And on the line with me, all the way from the city of Lake, I guess the state of Lakes, Minnesota, is Mr. Steve Barrett. Steve, how are you, buddy? I'm good, Tuttle. I'm good. Thanks for having me on your podcast here. Now, first off, I gotta I gotta talk to you. I uh I'm kind of digging the silver fox look from you because now have you always gone gray at an early age or like did the producers, the program director, whatever, like tell you like, Hey, Steve, you got to dye the hair, buddy. Well, I, you know, I, I started going gray at a very young age and it was one of those uh, things in my mid thirties, early to mid thirties. I just started going white on the side. Like, like Taylor like, Hicks. No. That, yeah, so I'm white. looking like Spider-Man's boss walking around everywhere. And, uh, <laughs> it, <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm working in the morning, so I've got all this light blasting on me. So one day the news director just said, Steve, I made you an appointment. You're going over here. You're getting that hair colored. And uh, they basically had me color it the whole time. The, the rest of the time I was at Channel 9. And by the time I stopped coloring it, it was completely gray. So now, it's now shocking Steve. to some people because when I was you know, on TV before I retired, uh, you know, I, I didn't have gray hair, except right at the end. The end, I just let it go because I knew my contract was up and I wasn't going to let anybody <laughs> tell me how to color my hair. Now, now, Steve, I, I'm glad you bring that up because this is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. OK, I have noticed in local news. All right. That the men get to age gracefully. And the women get pit out the pasture like there's a double standard there, in my opinion. Am I off by saying that? I think I think it depends on the newsroom and the market that you're in and, and the people that, um, you know, have been around your community for a long time. Yeah. You know, the main anchors do tend to get replaced more often and sooner if they're like, female. I mean, it's, like it's, Leslie Gale. Leslie Gale was the hottest, hottest one in the local news media. I don't even know if you ever had a chance to meet Leslie Gale, but at the time when she was, I've known, at yeah, w I've known her for years. Leslie's when she crazy. was at, when she was at WKMG, she was like, Oh, she was the thing. Like people loved her, but it just seems like they let the men like age gracefully. Now, could they get away with the same thing? Like them telling you to dye your hair, could they get away with that with a woman? Tuttle, I have, I have seen on-air personalities sitting at their desk crying because they hate the color that their hair was just changed to. And I I'm quite literally. Wait, so, wait so, 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 so they would actually tell them what color? Like, is that from like, uh, like focus groups and stuff or like? Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of it, a lot of stations, it comes from, uh, you know, um, some company that's telling them what to do and what their colors should be like and how they should change their logo. And it comes all the way down to what the anchors should be wearing and what their hair should look like, makeup, so on and so forth. But um, yeah, I think it's on a top level. That absolutely happens. And they, it's not that they tell you what color it's going to be. I, I think what happens is you go in and you find out what color it is. You know, when, 
when they take the towel off your head. Now, you you were at WFTV Channel 9 pretty much your whole time in Orlando, correct? Yes. Yeah, 18 years. Now, Bob Obsall, did you did you ever like have a relationship with him? Yeah, sat right across from Bob for uh, 15 years. He always he, seemed he like a genuine guy, though. He, he, he really, really did. Bob Upsall is a fantastic guy. He really is a great guy and was such a pro to work with. I mean, it's, you know, it's hard. You know, you, you've done, you do radio. It's hard mm-hmm. every day to be on. And, and then you've also got the camera. So not only do you have to be on, you have to look like you're on. And Bob pulled it off every day I ever saw him. And I, I never saw that guy uh, get flustered in any way or anything. He was just a true pro. Like, guys like him, there aren't a lot of them around like that anymore. Yeah, there isn't. There, there really isn't. On the line with me right now is a former reporter slash anchor at WFTV here in Channel 9. Now, was WFTV your first uh, television gig? Get, let, give me a little bit of history here. Um, so I started when I was, <clears throat> what, 19? I might have still been 18 when I took my first job at a CBS station in Wausau, Wisconsin. I was going to school, um, college just outside of Wausau. And uh, so that was my first job. Do you remember job the first story? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't. I don't remember the first story, but I'm sure it had something to do with a cow. <laughs> so they weren't very memorable in Wausau, Wisconsin. There wasn't a lot going on. Um, but uh, then I moved down to West Palm Beach. In fact, uh, Leslie Gale, you just mentioned, I, I first met her when she was working in West Palm Beach. Uh, back in the early, early 90s. And then I moved to Tampa. I was in Tampa for... Wait, what years. station in Tampa did you... Wait, what? Uh, because you know I worked with Bubba the Love Sponge for a long time. Um, what station were you on in Tampa? So I was not... I was behind the scenes in Tampa. So I was a videographer and a producer. And uh, in fact, Tuttle, this is how I kind of knew who you were. Because uh, when I first met you, you had, a, you had a phone in your hand and, and I could tell you were talking to somebody live and you seemed to be live on the air. And then I heard <laughs> then I heard Bubba's voice and I remembered Bubba from back when he was at uh, the Power Pig, 93.3, the yeah. Power Pig, it was called back mm-hmm. then. And he yep. would do sort of drive time afternoon and he was really campus first shock jock. You know, he was the first one that yep. would do the crazy stunts in the parking lot and things like that. So I was working at the Fox station, WTVT at the time. And we would go over there and interview Bubba every once in a while, just on our on our nightly, you know, the 10 o'clock news, because Fox was the new hip network around, you know, back then. And Wait, that, that's now, how I knew of Bubba. And then, you know, he he popped up in Orlando then and then he popped up on Sirius and then mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Did you ever have a chance to meet Gail Gallardo over in Tampa? Yes, I've met Gail a couple of times, um, but not like I didn't know her well. Did you, did you have you have you ever heard the audio of the infamous um, Gasparilla Day Parade event? No, I have oh, not. Oh man, she I'm to, I'm, was. I'm writing that she, down. She was bombed out of her mind on the air. I'll 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 send you a link. Like uh, Gail, I you know love what? Gail. You know what? Now that you mentioned what it was, I thought it was some mishap. But yes, now that I mentioned you mentioned it, I remember oh, a uh, Gasparilla God. parade gone bad. Oh man! But she she could not be a nicer person. I don't want people to think 
that I'm talking bad about her. On the line with me right now is Steve Barrett. Now, Steve, let's let's talk about the first time that we met. We covered the Casey Anthony trial. Uh, that was that 2012. Oh gosh, I I wonder if it was earlier than that. I mean, the whole thing spanned like three years by the time it was the missing child all the way to the verdict. Um, so yeah, it would have been 11, 12, something like that. Now, I don't I don't think people realize when we tell them. You know, because I was out there every single day. You were out there every single day. The media circus that was there, the amateurs that were there, just the spectators, the people that just wanted to see just the reality happen and unfold in front of their face. Can can you kind of like describe from your view of what it was like covering that story? Yeah, well, you know, as you recall, there was so much space, like open space where they hadn't built anything across from the courthouse in just about every direction. So what they did is months before the trial, they just said, here's where everybody's going to put their live. Nancy Grace. Mobile studios. Yeah, I. um, Yeah, Nancy Grace was there every day. Jane Velez Mitchell. And these were these were almost like semi trucks with the back doors removed from them so that they could look straight out across the street at the courthouse and they put plexiglass there so that the rain wouldn't come in. But mm-hmm. you kind of looked like you were outside, but really all of these people were in their own little, little box trucks um, and the place was covered with them. Um, and I was with the I was with ABC and ABC News and we're an ABC affiliate. So we had uh, about four trucks and an RV there. And I just brought all my clothes. I was doing the morning show. And I would just roll out of bed and I'd go straight to the RV and I'd get dressed in the RV. I just I just show mm-hmm. up in sweatpants or a pair of shorts and I just get dressed everything in that RV for months. Now, now Steve, I gotta tell you, I don't know whose decision it was to pit now I forget the other guy's name, but to pick Greg Warmoth and who was the lawyer guy that Bill was Schaefer. Bill Schaefer. Those two were magical mm-hmm. on the air together, working with each other. Like, th- I mean, they tried to recreate that during the George Zimmerman trial, but it just wasn't the same, in my opinion. I, I think you're right. I think uh, here's one of the things that happened. A lot of people don't know it. There was no plan to have Bill Schaefer on the air every day through all of that. It was great. It was, it was, it was, it was amazing. It started out one day. There was, there was basically a long delay and there was a, there, we, we went wall to wall and we'd been pitching that, Oh, we've got this wall to wall coverage that we're going to be doing. And sure enough, as soon as the trial starts, there's like a half of a day delay for some reason where they go back in chambers and they're meeting with Belvin Perry, the judge, and then Bill Schaefer was there and they said wait we gotta we have to fill time i mean greg was just like gasping for air trying to fill up you know uh but they had chemistry it well bill stepped in and he did it and from that moment on the news director said that's it bill you're on television bob jordan decided um bill you're on television every single day and, and uh, bill didn't know what to think and he just had to do it he just had to jump in and really he'd never done live television before See? believe it or not he'd only been interviewed we used him as our expert and we would interview him off to the side put it on tape yeah. 
And then we put it on the news later. He'd never been live. And I'll be darned if he didn't just take to it like a duck to water. Now, Steve, you know, like there's a difference between recorded stuff and going live. There really, really is. I mean, because I, I always compare it to like Nick Walenda, you know, the guy that does the tightrope uh, walking stuff. Yeah, it's it, it's like when you go live, you got to be prepared for anything. You really, really do. And 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 for and for a guy that's not a broadcaster to be able to step in and be able to do live television like that, I thought it was pretty, pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, we were all impressed. And, and Bill became a part of the family and, and he only left the station just recently after the new owners took over. So now Steve Bill was around forever. Steve, I want to talk about. So the reason that I met you, because on the very first day. Now, let me let me give people a little story here, okay? Um, the Casey Anthony defense team could have easily gotten in their car. They could have driven into the courthouse and never saw the media one single time. But they decided to walk from the Bank of America building every single day to the courthouse. But they would never answer any questions because they always wanted to cry about the media being unfair to them. Um, am, am, I, am I right or wrong by saying that? Like, if they hated the yeah. media so much, they could have easily just gotten in cars and never saw the media. I thought they were just being whores when it comes to the whole thing, and they wanted the camera time. And, and they would walk right past that that uh, scene that we described before where there's just lines of TV cameras and lines of trucks and they would come marching across the street with their briefcases in hand. Uh, they even had that bodyguard there for a while with the that dark guy, but yeah, dude, he, he was it. Well, listen guys, after we get done with this interview, go to my social media, just search Tuttle, Tuttle with two D's, D U D D L E. I have a video and it is nine years ago, by the way, I'm, I'm looking at the YouTube video right now. It says nine years ago, but, uh, tell people a little bit about that experience where you had a run in where Jose Baez said that you assaulted him or something, or, you know, and that bodyguard was kind of like poking you in the chest a little bit there at the end. And I, I caught it all on video. Yeah. And, and well, Jose Baez and I have always had had some history even before the trial started. You know, I was always the one throwing the question of, you know, Jose, do you really believe that there's a nanny out there that stole the baby and the baby's been kidnapped? And, they, you know, <laughs> what what are we doing here? Are we going to try to find this child uh, alive or find out what happened to it? And he he never wanted me to ask questions. I'm the one that pointed out that he'd never done a murder trial in his life. And so that, that's why he had to bring in Cheney Mason, which was the older guy who had been around forever. He's a famous attorney in the area. And so Jose had to bring in and become basically second chair to Cheney yeah. Mason. I pointed all that out in my stories. Well, he didn't like hearing that he was a novice attorney at that point. Obviously, oh, he's dude. not a novice anymore. But at the time, he was a novice attorney. He'd done some DUIs, some car accidents, you know, things like that, maybe some petty theft, but really nothing beyond that. And uh, the girl, he got hired by Casey because she just asked the person next to her in jail, hey, do you know an attorney? 
and Jose's name came up. So he never liked me in the first place. So when he would do that parade across the street, I'd run over and I'd pepper him with questions. Well, on the first day of trial, um, that's when they had the bodyguard for the first time. And he, he was pulling a briefcase. You'll remember this, Tully. Yes, a you were walking. Yes. Yeah. And, and a photographer from uh, Channel 2 in Orlando tripped over his briefcase walking behind him. And he stood in the middle of Orange Avenue in the middle of traffic. Jose Baez picked up his briefcase and slammed it on the ground and yelled, what the F? <laughs> he was just an attention whore. Now, uh, listen, well, I have. I, that's, that's when I ran up to him, Tuttle. That's when I ran mm -hmm. up to him and I said, wow. I said, you're a little tense on the first day of trial there, aren't you, <laughs> buddy? And that's when that bodyguard starts pushing me up against the wall and pushing me up against the wall as I hit uh, Jose with questions. And, and then Cheney Mason, like a fool, from the background, he goes, this is elderly abuse. And so Do it you, went all the way, Tuttle, you wouldn't believe it. That incident went all the way up to the judge. Um, so, yeah. and, and Belvin Perry uh, called the TV station and he said, I watched the video. And if anything, uh, you can, your, your reporter, Steve Barrett, can charge uh, that bodyguard and those guys with assault. Do you want to mm -hmm. do that? And I said, no, I'm not going to charge anybody with assault. I know no. that they were being jerks. And so they, they kind of got slapped on the wrist on the first day of trial over that whole situation. Listen, I uh, I'll give you my first experience. So, you know, that uh, while I was working with uh, Bubba Love Sponge, you know, they did a lot of offensive parody songs. And mm -hmm. it actually it actually came up in the jury selection, because if you remember, the jury was from the Tampa area. Um, and and Bubba and them had written a lot of parody songs, so, you know, um, that song by the Black Eyed Peas, My Humps, My Humps, My Humps, My Humps. You know that one? Yeah. They did, they did a parody song about my runt dead in my trunk. Um, and that got brought up a lot uh, during the jury uh, questioning. So the first day, Jose Bias and them would answer some of my questions. And then they started giving me the cold shoulder and I, and, and I warned them. I warned them. I said, Jose, if you or Cheney are not going to answer my questions, then I'm going to just ask you the most ridiculous stuff that I can see me working in radio. And, and I, I've talked to a lot of TV people and, you know, radio, I think is considered the, uh, the rodents, of the media industry. I, I really do. Uh, but we also get the freedom. We get more freedom, more lead way to do things with. And, and um, I said, if you don't start answering some questions or at least acknowledging me, I'm just going to ask anything. You know, you know that, that famous bird picture of Cheney Mason flipping the bird. You know, that was at me, right? Like I was at the door. Oh. Oh, yeah. No, I was watching you when you did that. We had had a conversation just before that because we started talking after I realized I went, you know, because I listened to Bubba's show back mm -hmm. then. And uh, so when I hear that you're talking, I think you would keep uh, keep the show on speaker and they just go live with you as, yeah. you know, things would happen. And then I, I realized I said, oh, that's Tuttle, because, you know, you're not on TV. I didn't know what you looked like, but I, I mm -hmm. damn well knew who you were. And I said, oh, my gosh, that's Tuttle. 
And so we started talking one day, a couple of days into it, I think. And then, then it was funny because you'd tell me, Hey, okay, I'm going to run over here and do this. Oh yeah. And I remember exactly when he flipped you off through that window in the restaurant. And, and you you want to know who got really mad at me because Jane Velez Mitchell was out there, you know, on the street trying to interview everybody. And after, after Cheney flipped me the bird, she, she pats me on the shoulder and, and, and keep in mind, they are on headline news, okay, which is a cable access network. It's not broadcast TV. Um, and she says, what did Cheney just say to you? And I turn around and I said, he flipped me the bird, but I flipped the bird into the camera and she acted like I just killed the puppy. <laughs> Why, was she live? Yeah, she was live. Yeah, she was live whenever I flipped the bird into the finger or into the camera lens. But, but like hey, I said, you get. that's what you get it, for trying to interview a radio guy live. Yeah, but but I mean, listen, so I, I want to get into this on the line with me right now is Steve Barrett. All right. So, Steve, I, I've been telling people I've been I've always been like a, a, a fan of local news media. OK. But okay. is it just me or are are the reporters getting more amateur, more amateur by the year? Like I, I sit there and I critique them. You know, I've never done the TV thing before, but I also I you as a reporter here, give me some of the key things that makes a good field reporter. I think number one being. Someone that has no fear, that does not care about being put into awkward situations. Yeah, I think that's one of the most important things. But I think the most important thing is just to have a really broad base of knowledge about a lot of things, whether it's the court system, whether it's the government system, whether it's the school district or whether it's what police are doing on any given night out on the streets. Um, you really have to just kind of run the gamut because one day you could be doing a story about two people arguing over, you know, the, their property in a mobile home park. And the next day you could be covering something that the Florida Supreme Court is doing that's very important. So you're, you know, you really have to have a really broad depth of knowledge. And I think that's the problem. You know, you ask, has, is it changing in these younger reporters? Do they have uh, less experience in that. Are they and, just pitting good looking, beautiful people on and they really don't care how good they are at their job? You know what? That a lot of times that is true. I don't want to insult some of my younger journalist friends because they're really trying hard. Um, but, you know, these days, the person reporting your news or even in the background, the producers, they're writing the news. They might be in, in a market like Orlando, which is, uh, I think, currently either the 16th or 17th largest market in the country. It's growing. Um, it's growing. Yeah. Back when I started at Channel 9, for example, all the producers had been in the business probably 10 years or so. Now, mm -hmm. a producer or a new reporter in Orlando, maybe could be their very first job out of college, like literally could be their very first job out of college, maybe their second job after they were in, uh, you know, Panama City for two years. So these people don't have, that's what people don't understand. The, the experience reading the news, person reading the news and the person writing the news is completely different. And the person writing the news usually hasn't even paid off their school loans, probably still has mom and dad on their car loan, has never owned a house, has never had a kid in school, has never been on a jury, has never, 
had to use the court system at all. You know, all of these things mm. that we have to understand as journalists, these young people just, you know, don't understand how young they are, have done none of the things that you're reporting. on. OK, so. Going back to earlier in our conversation, talking about letting the men age gracefully, and I'm not saying anything bad about this person. Matter of fact, I think she is one of the best field reporters. Have you ever had a chance to meet Claire Metz? I love Claire Metz. Claire Metz is wonderful. She is. I think Claire Metz is brilliant. Because, like, she has been in the business since I was in middle school. Like, seriously. And, and she's still there. She still covers. And she just has a great delivery. delivery. She, she almost has a swagger to her without having a swagger. Yeah. And you just hey siri my You just hey siri my phone, I think, when you said. Sorry. No, no, series series now wants wants to know what what you want. Um, <laughs> hang on, I'm gonna throw this dumb. Hang on one second. I'm gonna throw this phone right over here. No so, worries. Claire Metz is has been around for so long. You you know that she's basically the queen of Volusia County. Uh, yes, she, she does goes, everything Volusia. Everyone knows Claire. Claire can get an answer out of any politician, any police chief, sheriff, anybody. You know they all want to talk to to Claire, and I know even after 18 years in that market, when I went to Volusia County, I knew damn well. You didn't get, you didn't get in her way. You didn't, you didn't get in Claire Metz way. Yeah. And uh, she's wonderful. And she's absolutely a a wonderful, wonderful human being that knows everything about everything. And that's County. And that's the kind of journalist Tuttle that we don't, we just don't have those in our communities anymore. Let me let me ask you this, okay? So you've been out covering stories, and, and if you don't want to name drop, you don't have to name drop. But have you had any rivalries with field reporters that maybe tried to get one over on you or anything like that? Ones that you were like, I'm just I'm not letting this guy get the better story than me. Uh, yeah, I think I have throughout the years, but they weren't like serious rivalries. They were just like trying to trying to get the better angle on something. And uh, but it, really, there was almost more rival rivalries within our own television station. And Are you kidding newsroom. me? Yeah, the, our news director loved it that all of his reporters had to compete with each other for the best. Oh, story. so competitive. Okay, so, like yeah, everybody so, was like, hey, daddy, I want to make daddy proud. Yeah. So, you know, people like like Shannon Butler or Kathy Belich, uh, who was on uh, Jody Fleischer, uh, you know, years ago, Josh Wilson. You know, these were people that we were just competing against each other every single day to get the best angle on on whatever that story was uh, that day. But then, when you know, when it came down to it, you always work together. But the most competition for me was inside my own newsroom. And I, that's how our news director liked it. Vanessa Eccles, how was she like at Channel Nine? Because I, I've I've talked to her a couple of times and I'm not saying like, you know, you got to be one way on the air because, you know, you have a brand and stuff. But behind the scenes, she is a blast to hang out with. 
she is. She's very funny. That woman's an angel. She's just fantastic. She was always so sweet to me. And she's exact. She's one of those that's exactly the same person off the air that she is on the air and uh, just comes to work every day with the biggest smile on her face. She comes, it comes trotting in. She pulls up, she carries, brings all of her stuff in, in like one of those um, rolling carts, you know, you take on, on mm-hmm. the, uh, the carry on that you take on the air. Yeah, yeah. Um, she comes in with one of those every day, loads it up and, and, and brings it all in and sits down at her desk and just sits there all day, smile on her face, um, jumps into every conversation and um, is just all in all a wonderful person. Marty, okay. Marty Salt was the same way. She was just. Oh, really I thought you were going to say Marty Stebbins. Marty Stebbins was one of my favorite weather newscasters. I don't know if you even know who Marty Stebbins is. I've heard the name, but I don't recall where he was. Uh, he did weekends. He did weekends, but he always wore the flashy suits and stuff. You know, I know this is going to be very, very inside stuff. You want to know who one of my best friends is? And I I, I don't see him enough because I've been in Tampa, but you were talking about videographers, like your cameraman. T. Taylor from Channel 6. T. with his, he's, he's always got that cigar hanging out of his mouth at all times. And but boy, he, he loves the ladies. I, I know, but he, though, like, I met him one time and he remembered my name. And every single time he saw me, he would spend time and just have a very sincere conversation with me. Yeah, there are. And he's just like that. And he remembers everything about you. And he's just one of those guys, you know, if you have kids, he, he'll remember their names you know, and how old they are. And Did you he, have a cameraman you worked with all the time? Not during periods of time i did i had one one guy Corey reppenhagen who uh, we chased a you know a bunch of hurricanes together and tornadoes and wildfires and things like that we were together for years and then is that important though is that important the chemistry the they they know where you're going with something uh the the back and forth like is, is that something that's very important yeah, I mean, it's most important when you're in the dicey situations, you're in a, a hurricane or chasing a tornado or even, you know, trying to run around a neighborhood where there's a crime scene and something really bad has just happened. It's good to have somebody that they know you and you know them. But and and on the big stories, I would ask for certain people and say, you know what, for this job, I'd like to have I'd like to have this person. And for that job, you know, this story, I want I want this person. So because sometimes you're going out of town with these people for, you know, you're a week on the road. And if it's a hurricane, for example, you're literally yeah. living out of an SUV almost, you know, the whole hey, time. Steve, I, I, I want to ask you this question. I, I just recently uh, spoke with a freelance journalist that does a lot of uh, war coverage. Um, you know, I, I, I forget the woman's name, but do you remember the story about that woman that was doing the report? And one of her like coworkers that had been fired, went up and shot and killed her and the cameraman on live TV. Yeah. Do, yeah, do you remember that? In, uh, that was in Virginia. Some um, forget. I forget where. Um, do you guys, did you guys horrible. ever do? Did you did you guys ever do anything to protect yourself? Like, because when I when I talked to the freelance reporter, I said, do you carry a firearm for your protection in some scenario like 
would that even be allowed? Yes. At, uh, I mean, at the state of Florida, you could, mm-hmm. you know, you you have, you know, concealed carry, stand your ground, stuff like that. Like, well, were, can... have you have you ever been in a scenario where you felt like your life has been in danger? Yes. Yes. And, and yes, I have usually in my personal vehicle. Um, when I drive to places, I've, you know, I'll say it now. I'm, uh, I've had times where I've had a weapon with me in the vehicle, just like in case, because you're out in the middle of the night um, or you're, you know, pulling into a very tense situation. So, yeah, but I, I've never I've never been terribly threatened. The worst that ever happened is I kind of got stuck. Some people were roughing my minivan up during the St. Petersburg riots. During oh, that. a lot of people forget about the St. Peter with the Aruhus, correct? I think uh, the, the Aruhus uh, were very, very big in the St. Pete because that was after a, uh, a, a black child or black kid was killed by a police officer, correct? Yeah, yeah, the... Um... The, the officer ended up on the hood of the car as this kid would try to drive away in a stolen vehicle. And so the officer shot him through the windshield. And so there were two riots, a riot right after it happened. And then a riot when the police, when the state attorney's office decided that there would be no charges against the officer and it was a justified shooting. So there were two nights of riots over the course of, a, I think it was a week and a half or so. But that, that one got a little dicey for me. but you know, making out. Have, are, fine. Are, are, are you're up in the Minnesota area? Twin Cities, yeah, area. Just okay, so, so are you worried, you know, with this trial that's going on right now with the death of George Floyd, that, no. that if he gets off, like, somehow for some reason, I mean, because we all thought Casey Anthony was, was, was guilty, like, nailed to the wall. What yeah. happens if this cop gets off? Yeah, but you asked if I was worried personally, and I was going to say, no, personally. Like, I'm not worried that something's going to happen at my house. Worried for the community? Yeah, I'm, I'm worried there's going to be a lot more, you know, damage and destruction and burning things. And it's just something that Minnesota, Minneapolis doesn't need right now. But, yeah, it... it um, Are you going to get out there you, and I'll try to cover it? There's, I'll be shocked you- if... If if it's a uh, the verdict is absolute acquittal, mm-hmm. I don't know that that's going to happen. If things get bad, would you go out there and try to cover it, like do video and do your thing, and maybe freelance it? Like seriously, I I I think you would. I think that would. I think you would absolutely kill it. <laughs> um, you know, I I think about it, but then probably not. And you know, one of the reasons is that I sort of told myself, look, you need to lay off uh, journalism, television, just get off the air for a good year and then see how you feel. Because there's such a decompression when you leave Mm -hmm. that business um, because the stress is so high. And every single day you have these deadlines at, you know, four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock or 11 o'clock noon, you know, you're just constantly going. So I want to give myself plenty of time. And I've covered lots lots of big stories i've covered all kinds of riots can you give me can can you can you give me your mount rushmore which means your top four stories that you have covered in your career um so one that i remember probably the most and and just sticks with me is is a plane uh, helicopter crash um over in tampa where a police helicopter went down 
And I was standing right there at the side of the water and the, the helicopter was in the air one moment and then in the water the next moment. Wait, you caught it on camera? And yeah. like, and were you, did you, did you just keep rolling? Did you just keep well, talking? And like, how do well, you react with that? Yeah, it, at the time I was a news photographer. So, because I spent many, many years behind the scenes before I got in front of the camera. Um, so I was a news photographer and, and I, I basically, yeah, started rolling and then drove my truck closer, shined uh, my lights, you know, the big TV lights. I plugged in the truck and everything and shined as much light out there as I could as one of the police officers pulled the back seat out of his car and as a flotation device swam out and rescued the pilot. But then mm -hmm. the officer that was in the, the helicopter as a spotter um, drowned. And, and on my raw video, you actually hear the screams as we tried to find him and we never could find the second guy. And he died that night. Let me so that was that was a real hard one because it was a police officer that mm -hmm. I was listening to screaming for help. But it was in the black of Tampa Bay about as a reporter 100 yards offshore. As a reporter, do you get involved? Because, like, you know, you look at all these wildlife videos like Steve Attenborough, and they're always like, you know, no matter what happens, you do not get involved. You know, as a reporter, do you, like, do you get involved? Or do you hold your post and, and get the video? No, um, absolutely. You know, if... For example, a kid fell in a, a raging river and absolutely I would stop doing my job and do what I need to do as a human being. And I think that journalists that say that they wouldn't do that, I just think that there's something arrogant about that that makes them think, oh, I'm journalist above all else. And, and that makes me better than someone else for some reason. No, you know, stop what you're doing and help another human being. I mean, look at what happened with that poor woman up in, uh, in New York. They got kicked just the other day um, as she was, I think, walking to church and, and the guys inside the store just closed the door and let her get beat up. Didn't, didn't yeah. go out and help her. You know, that that I would not do. So, yes, I'd get involved. Huddle. I would I would so, jump. I, right I, I, it was just a I, listen. I, I knew that you would. I, it was just a question that I had. So give me give me another example of uh, another big story that you've covered over the years. Well, of course, there's there's um, Casey Anthony. That was that was yeah. crazy. Um, Terry Schiavo, you you probably remember. Yeah, the, the, were the you in the Tampa area during the Schiavo thing? In, in the beginning, I was there as a producer, and then as it played out over the years, I ended up covering it from Orlando and going over there. You know, as they you know ceased the life support, and and she finally passed away. But that that was huge in terms of just a media event and something national and, and huge you know there's the there's the mass shootings you know virginia tech Pulse. And did you did you cover polls uh, i covered at, like after the fact Pulse, but i was kind of on a break up here in minnesota at the time and, and then you I, came back then yeah well i actually came back because everybody covering pulse was getting worn out and so the news director called and said, hey, can you come and start filling in the gaps for us just for a couple of weeks here? That's got to make you there. feel good, though, right? Like, like yeah. it's kind of like you're a major league, like a uh, closer, like you're in the bullpen. The PD comes out. 
you know, puts up his right hand, points to his elbow. He says, let's bring in the righty. I hope you're a righty or this whole whole reference didn't work out for me. Um, but what I'm trying to say is for them to bring in the closer, it's kind of like you're the guy who's like, all right, we got to bring in Steve Barrett. I, you know, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I feel good that that did happen to me a lot throughout my career, that there were times when I was the first one to get the call to say, do you want to go do this? Can you drop what you're doing right now? Get over to, you know, the, the airport or the helicopter and you're, you're going out of town for a few days. So grab an extra pair of pants, you know, so that, that happened to me a lot. Um, especially, you know, hurricanes, I, I basically was the go-to what, guy. What was hurricanes. your, what was your number one hurricane coverage? Was it Charlie? Did you cover Charlie or like what hurricane was the one that you got the most like recognition from? And I hate to say recognition, but like, the one your the stuff that you thought was the most com compelling story that had to be you know out of 22 of these storms uh katrina had to be the one that really got me because did you go to norway yeah in fact i in fact i took a boat um you know we we'd get up in the morning and we'd take boats out into the city to rescue people and you know the the rescue teams were cutting holes in rooftops and people were climbing mm -hmm. out of their attics and people were, you know, making lines and, and trying to wade through the water with like things like, you know, oh. an infant in a in a cooler. Geraldo, Geraldo Rivera, like, OK, I'm sorry, I hate to interrupt, but. And, and this is something else I want to talk about as a journalist, you have to stay unbiased. You should not get and make yourself a part of the story. But Geraldo Rivera during Katrina like carrying out uh, young black kids out of the house and just he, he just really put himself into the story and it really kind of disgusted me. Yeah, I I can see there were a lot of people, I think, doing that, trying to be part of the story and help with watch me help rescue these people. I went out on the boats a lot, but I didn't participate. You know, I let the professionals do their job and uh, I got stuck actually I got lost and they called my family and said, we can't find him because I went too far into the flood one of those mm -hmm. days. And I, I couldn't bring myself to like step to the front of the line this is when people were lining up just to get on a boat to get out of town. And uh, once I got in, I couldn't bring myself to put myself at the front of the line and say, Hey, can I uh, get a spot on this boat? Because I'm a journalist and all these people who've been trapped in this flood for four days, uh, I should get on a boat before them. So I actually walked, I waited with a whole wow. group of people out of the city and it took the whole day just to, just to get out. But there were people with like their babies in, in coolers so that the cooler would float. It'd be like a boat. Um, wow. and it was just, just watching how much destruction there was. That was crazy. And then of course, Andrew, and Michael. Wait, so Andrew, like you were, were you really down? See, because I am a storm junkie. Like I am a nerd for the weather. And I still to this day think Hurricane Andrew is the strongest storm that has ever hit the United States, in my opinion. Because you got to think about this. Hurricane Andrew was so, so like strong. It ripped off 
the radar off the top of the hurricane or national hurricane weather building and they yeah. couldn't even get readings at one point no yeah and and part of that was because you know it was just so amazing you could do you could turn yourself around in homestead florida and in every direction everything was flat was gone flat and then, then those gone. Tent cities went up and it, you just couldn't believe that it could wipe something out like that and that's you know a lot of the hurricane uh the report the construction requirements for hurricanes um those codes were really beefed up after that so you had so much destruction because there weren't great um building codes back then steve when 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 i first started in radio i um when i was part-time you know my dad was an iron worker so i was i was i was an iron worker while i was working part-time at real radio and um they always made the gymnasium the one building that's hurricane proof and you would not believe how many welds we had to put in between each gap probably about 30 screws in between each bar joist then they laid almost like a concrete filling over the top of it so what i'm saying is they practically made those buildings like bomb shelters after hurricane andrew yeah they did and uh you know, it reminds me, though, there are still some gymnasiums that aren't like those bomb shelters. And, and during Hurricane Michael, just a couple of years ago in uh, Panama City, it, the, the high school downtown had the whole roof completely ripped off of the gymnasium. So, you know, not not all the schools are built like that yet. Um, there are still a lot of relics that can, can really sustain some serious damage. All right. Right. Right now on the line with me is Steve Barrett. I only have a few more questions. I don't want to keep you on for too long. Okay. So now what is the problem with journalism today? Okay. See, because a lot of people get this mixed up. Okay. They, they look at MSNBC, they look at CNN, they look at Fox news, any of the 24 hour cable news networks, they, they look at that as journalism and i keep trying to tell people i don't support either side i'm not a liberal i'm not a conservative matter of fact pretty much don't trust any of the politicians but why i mean that's opinionated journalism why why are americans are, are americans so dumb that they believe that that is the real news i you know i think that most Americans do realize that, you know, if you're watching CNN and you're or you're watching MSNBC or you're watching PBS or really ABC, NBC, CBS, you're watching far left journalism, far left. And they, they leave out certain facts and they don't say certain things. And it's very much agenda driven. And then if you're watching, you know, uh, One America, um, Fox News, you're on Breitbart, you're you know, that's all over on the right side. And if you don't think that that if you don't believe that one side is left and one side is right, like you're smoking something that's probably not healthy for you because it's just, it's a fact. And if you watch, if, if I switch back and forth all the time and I watch how does CNN do this angle or this, how does, you know, Fox, Fox News, MSNBC, it, CNN, Newsmax, you know, I, I watch them all. Um, and I can, absolutely see the difference and i think if you train yourself and you and you get yourself to watch the station that you might not necessarily agree with i think mm -hmm. you're you're on the right track there and then find a lot of other places to get your journalism from 
And, social uh, media, though, the, uh, people read stuff on social media and they just believe it as fact. And yeah. I, I think that is a very dangerous thing. You know, back in the day when our forefathers created the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, they, they never thought, hey, man, in the future, there's going to be this there's going to be this box that's going to have moving pictures and we're going to be able to get all the news from it. No, they didn't. Guess what? They had to make new laws. They created the FCC. Do you think that there needs to be laws made when it comes to regulating social media, or is that a violation of the First Amendment? Um, I don't think it's a violation in terms of like, you know, antitrust. I think there's a monopoly, you know. Google, I think, has a monopoly, you know, even mm -hmm. Facebook buying up all these other social medias, you know, even um, getting know, shadow banned. Yeah. And, and, you know, I depending on what I say online, I can see that sometimes it, it appears that like a post that I put up gets a ton of traction and lots of people respond to it. And then I'll say something else that might be a little more provocative and opinionated. And it'll it'll like seems like nobody's seeing, you know, Steve, because... I, I, Facebook, I went a week without a single like or favorite or comment that is. And I'm not saying like I'm some big, big name, but that's that's virtually impossible. Yeah. And, and I've noticed that. So something's going on there. And yeah, do I think that at the government level um, they should be breaking up some of these companies? I think it's probably best. And I and I think, you know, even on local television levels you know what what is happening to local journalism which really should people should be focusing on local journalism what's happening with your governor what's happening with your city council your mayor your school district all of that is what people should be paying attention to washington is another thing right mm -hmm. but if, yeah. if you really want to help your community focus on what's happening in your community and what's happening in journalism in these communities is these huge corporations are buying up all the television stations in all the markets and then they i work for i've wait. i've worked for the radio oh yeah i mean i know, heart i heart yep i heart um cox you know i worked for when i was in news i worked for news corporation which is fox i worked for um, cox, Scripps, cox Scripps owns wftv doesn't doesn't cox own wftv i think they did they did now they did. a company called apollo owns them and they, they just go by the name cox media group but they've been sold it's one of the reasons that i left because you know all the benefits and stuff were changing and so i what I, happened I there what 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 happened there was did you leave i'm not saying like you left on bad terms or anything but what what was the thing that you that made you pull the trigger to leave channel nine uh so i i felt like the job was really starting to like take a toll on my health just because of the stress and just because you know you're cooped up in vehicles for so many hours of the day you're bending over looking at your laptop you know all kinds of reasons and then my contract was up so you know i i wasn't going to negotiate a much much better contract at that point because the company had been sold and frankly the new company just wanted wasn't wasn't willing to spend as much money as the old company had been um so i just said look you know my contract's up um thanks i'm gonna go and and i could have signed another contract i just wasn't I, my heart wasn't in it you know i, I it was and you got married though. something else 
Yeah, got then, married. Yeah, got married, moved up to Minnesota. Um, how got married how you... in the pandemic? We, uh, my my wife and I, kept trying to plan a wedding, but the pandemic kept pushing everything back. So we finally. Um, my I'm not stepmother being... is a judge not... in Wisconsin, and so we snuck into her courtroom to get married. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but Jesus, Steve, like it's it's good to be on TV and stuff because I got to tell you, you 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 landed a good one. From what I've seen, so now hey, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. Now, now, did she meet you? A lot of people don't know this. Uh, Steve Barrett is in a uh, would you call it a tribute or a cover band of Van Halen? A tribute band. So a tribute band is more like you actually dress the part. So yeah, I was. I'm not in that tribute band anymore. I'm way up here in Minnesota, but uh, yes, I was in a, a tribute band called 1984, and we did David Lee Roth era. Van Halen all the way up to the year 1984, which is why the tribute band is named 1980. So yeah, I remember. Fun. I remember after the Casey Anthony trial, the all the media people had a wrap up party at Bar Louie right there. Yeah, uh, and I think you actually did perform. Like it wasn't in the full like get up, but you did do. I think uh, a couple of Van Halen songs. Yeah, in fact, I um I organized that party. I put all that together and, and Channel 9 paid for it and everything. And we hired another local band, Switch, fantastic band. Um, and they played, and then we jumped up on stage as 1984 for a few songs too and played. And that that was that was a good time. No, those those were uh, some fun times. Uh, all right, before rock before, and roll. Before we go, give me your top four people right now currently in the orlando market like just by name power just charisma everything because i'll uh, here i'll give you an example okay even though he's young and i'll give you an example of uh, how like okay justin warman justin warman have you ever met him before yeah yeah i've known justin as he was growing up because greg and i are friends listen he, I think the reason, look, he was eventually going to get the anchor job anyways, but the, he covered a story because you remember he like covered Brevard County, that area when he was, when, when he was a reporter and he did a story about these manatees being stuck in a canal, like a drainage canal type thing. And yeah. like, he was there all day covering it. And, 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 and I was just like engaged so much. And then right after that story, he's, he is the morning anchor. Hair is perfect. Always dressed to the nine. I, I, I just, I was like, man, this is like a, a, a broadcasting dynasty almost. Yeah. Um, and, and you're right. Um, I think channel six did, did the right thing in hiring. Justin and channel nine might've uh, missed out a little bit uh, because Justin's he's a good guy and he takes his job very seriously. And his dad, he has his dad to, you know, rely on for, for advice. So he's, he's one to watch. Absolutely. But, could you, but, could you see the two of them just please, if they could do a cross promotion when Greg Warmoth does decide to retire let them do a simulcast. Let father and son host the nightly news and let let Greg sign off with his son. 
I think that would be so amazing. Yeah, that would that would be cool. And and I don't know, maybe it'll maybe, never happen. It'll never happen, though. I yeah. don't think it would. Yeah, uh, I don't know, but I do know that uh, you know Greg. Greg's wonderful. You know, he's also got uh, one of his one of his sons plays bunch baseball. of baseball players. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's a baseball yeah. playing family. But you know, back and, to what I was and, saying. Give me your top four, though. Oh gosh, my top. I mean, in a lot of ways, I have to like stick to Channel Nine because I I know those people. The Why best. you don't but work I mean, for them? Claire, then you said Claire Metz. Claire Metz is clearly like one of the greatest in that market in the business. Um, that there's ever been um, at Channel Nine. I mean, I just think in terms of what about Sigalski? What are what are what are your thoughts on Sigalski? You know, Martha's very nice. Um, <laughs> I, I, I when I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but when somebody says, "Oh, they're very nice," it's like you know, you're trying to just you know well, be. In terms of in terms of journalism, I, I don't even think I mean, I think Martha would admit to herself that, you know, she doesn't write anything. She just is kind of she comes and she reads stuff. And um, that's great. And she, people love her. So, you know, nothing wrong with that. But, you know, in, in terms of the people that I respect, I respect the people that are out there getting, you know, like you take Shannon Butler on channel. Um, oh, yeah, nine. I like she will get boy if she finds out something about you and you're in government or you're in a police department or a fire department. You, you know, you could lose your do- job pretty quickly just based on the kinds of things that she's able to uncover I, with, with I all the bl- years of experience she has. I, you know? I, I got blocked by Nadine Yanez. Why? What'd you do? Because like, okay, all right, listen, I know that it was kind of rude, but like, you know, usually they shoot these reporters from the waist up. Okay. But they were doing a wide shot and I was like, Jesus Christ, if I'm the program director of channel six, I'm doing wide shots all day with the curves that this woman has. And like, I, I mean, I, I, I don't think I was being really, really rude. I wasn't saying that, oh, the only reason she has the reporting job is because, you know, uh, she's very curvy and very attractive. But she, I guess she took it the wrong way and blocked me on social media after we were following each other. Oh, well. Um, I just thought that was weird. Yeah, I, I, I don't know Nadine um, that well. I mean, I know her from being out in the field and everything, but uh, apparently you offended her some that, somehow there, Tuttle. I, I, I don't know, but there, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of up and coming people though. Like there, there, there really, really is. Now, can, can you think off the top of your head who has the most tenure out of all of the broadcasters and TV in Orlando area right now? Is it, is it Greg Warmoth? Yeah, I think it would be Greg. And maybe I think, um, Vanessa Eccles has been around uh, a little longer, um, than greg i think so you know that's got jim payne uh, oh, he's been yeah he's been it, here forever sweezy you know sweezy's yeah. gone now too and i know have, i know sweezy, the well, there was rumor there there was rumor that sweezy was gonna pop up somewhere else and yeah oh. she's doing the growing boulder show with um mm. um with uh god um middleton yeah, I mark think. middleton yeah and his and well, and and the other guy, I think I, I forget his name as well too. But but the new person that they brought in, I I don't know. Her name is Kelly and Class. 
with a K. And I I just, I, I don't know. I just love Sweezy. You also want to know who I love to death and has always treated me so kindly. Amy Caulfield. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think that I've ever met Amy, but she seems like very nice. Very sweet. Did you ever, did you ever meet Eric Weber? Uh, yeah, I did meet Eric Weber, but it's, you know, we, again, it was competition at a city council meeting and talking for 10 minutes or hanging out, you know, at some crime scene tape at a murder or something like that, you know? Well, listen, I'm sure that we just bored the absolute fuck out of my audience nerding out about the news, but I got to tell you the most fun conversation that I've had in a really, really long time with a guest. Steve, tell people how they can check you out if they want to find out any information about you or stay in touch with you. Well, I mean, the easiest way is just, you know, my Facebook page. If you, I think if you <laughs> type my name in Facebook, I'm, I'm the person that pops up the most. So, I mean, that's, that's the easiest way. I'm trying to keep a low profile tunnel. You're, you're not helping me out here. No. Uh, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm trying to, like I said, just stay off the radar for, for a while, see how I like it. And, uh, but of course I, I have plenty of people, you know, on my Facebook page, for example, saying, you know, Hey, when are you going to come back to Orlando? You, you left and came back once. Do you have plans? Um, no, that's no, no. I've, I've told myself. What, what, what if one of the us? other competing stations offered you a boatload of money? I don't in Orlando. Know. I, I don't think it would have to be a boat load of money. <laughs> um, what if they wanted to give you an anchor, uh, an anchor spot? Like, you know, I, I never really wanted desk. to do the anchoring thing because it, to me, you're watching. Just reading a teleprompter. Yeah. You're watching what's happening on the, on the um, monitor in the studio. I like to be there at the scene of the thing that's happening, you know, when, when they're rescuing someone or, or, you know, you know, they're trying to solve the murder. You know, what happened? What do neighbors know? Going door to door, well, trying to find somebody that has that shot some video of the car crash, you know, or or the, the bus rolling over or something like that. You know, that's that's the kind of stuff I like to do. So anchoring to me is not something that really interests me. One last question. And I promise this is the very last question, because like we've been talking, like, Seriously, this is how how well you know the interview has gone. It, we've almost been talking for an hour, and it doesn't even feel like that. Um, what is the one technical difficulty or flub or something that you have had during a news report? Uh, gosh, I, um, I, I was very lucky to not have any major accidents like on camera. But one one time I did have a guy run into me. I, I was standing on a sidewalk doing a live shot and there was this guy coming down in a bicycle. And apparently he was mad that I was using the sidewalk as my place to stand while I'm live on TV. So he and this was not on Channel 9. This was back in West Palm Beach days. And uh, he just decided I'm just going to keep riding my bike right into him. And he just plowed right into me. Oh, man. <laughs> And I, and I mean, I didn't see it until Did you take right a bump? The of my eye. And I said, well, and he's, and he said something like, oh, yeah, you're in the sidewalk. And he just kept on riding. And I, I just kind of had to go, sorry, somebody just plowed me over. I oh, so, so, 
so you took a bump on the on on the deal, but did you get right back up and 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 just finish the report? Like, yeah, he just he knocked me off camera, and you could see it. We went back and and looked at it. I've got it on tape in my files somewhere, but he just knocked me out of the screen, and I had to pop back in and go, okay, well, I guess the the that was a bicycle, and I just went on with my report. So yeah, well, hey, Steve, I can't thank you enough for allowing me the time. Um, you know, I will say this. I think one of the things about being a field reporter is keeping your sources sacred. And I can tell you for a fact that Steve does not, um, you know, snitch on any of his sources when it comes to stories. He does not, uh, which shows me that he is a man of his word. And I've always respected that. I really have. Well, thanks, Tuttle. Yeah, it's been great being on here with you. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me and thinking of me. I'm getting I'm getting a little lonely up here in Minnesota. Dude, you need you want to be honest. You do need to start a podcast. Well, maybe maybe we'll talk about that on another on another call. No, I, I I'll be more than happy to help you. Well, Steve, man, I hope you have a wonderful day, and 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 I can't thank you enough for doing this for me today. Hey, thank you. It's been fantastic. Right. I, I hope uh, I hope all your your listeners like what they hear. <laughs>